Well, thank you, worship team. Great singing. You guys are uh, in the Christmas season this morning. This is good because we are in the third part of a four-part series called Unwrapping Christmas. Early. This series is meant to give us a little bit of courage and refreshment um, on the Christmas season and all that that entails. The idea behind it is that there's more in the box of Christmas. If we would go to the bottom of it and dig a little bit more, there's more to be had. And the first time we were together on this series two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that even though God is invisible to us, we're not invisible to him. And we came with this idea that there had been 400 years of silence, generation upon generation upon generation of people had lived and died and not heard a specific word from God until now in Luke Luke chapter 1. And the angel Gabriel comes to this guy, Zechariah, and tells him, about John the Baptist, and then comes to Mary and tells her about Jesus. So we talked about that even though, though God is invisible to us, the things that happen to us are not invisible to him. And then last week we talked about, uh, as we reflected on the angel Gabriel's message to Mary, and when Mary responded in great fear when she saw this angel, that the baby that is born in this, this manger, right, the Jesus that we celebrate around Christmas time, is not some safe, domesticated, marketed Jesus that is in Sears, okay, or that is somewhere or online. No, this, this Jesus is a great and powerful, mighty king whose kingdom will be forever. And thus, Mary's reaction, even just to the messenger of God, Gabriel, great fear and wondering for her life. Now this morning we go further, and that is to see a little bit more of Mary's interaction with Gabriel, and to kind of set it up a little bit, I'm not going to spend a long time setting it up, but I remember, and I want to tell you about this because I think you can resonate, when I was a kid, I was maybe, um, maybe nine or ten years old, and I remember this vividly, I remember walking around the outside of my home in Barbados, and I had lost my favorite A-team truck and figures, okay? This is a problem for me. This is a crisis of faith. Because I'm thinking, if there is a God in the universe, and I think there is one here because my parents are missionaries on this island, I don't think we'd be here if there wasn't. So I'm here, there's a God, my parents are here, but I have just lost my A-team truck and figures. So I'm walking around the outside of my house, and I'm wondering, and here's what, here's, I remember saying this to God as I kind of turned the corner, and I thought I had gone everywhere, and I checked everywhere, and I thought, man, maybe my sister hit it and all that, okay? I think, and I remember saying this, and you've done this too, I made a deal with God, like, God, if you help me find this, you ever done that? Then I will. Then I was like, then I'll follow you forever. I mean, that's what I said to God. I'm like, just, that's all I need. I just need the 18 truck and I'm yours. I mean, it's as simple as that. You ever been there though? You ever been there? Like, hey, if you'll, okay, I just need you to do this. It's finals week, right? I didn't study. I just need you to kind of come through for me, God, and just help me, you know, get it right. Because I mean, I didn't study. But if you would only do this for me, this would be awesome. And, you know, if only this person could notice me and realize that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested in them. If only I could get a date and marry them, if, then I'll do kind of this forever. And, hey, if only, God, you'll give me some ideas about how to make the money I need because the rent is due and the mortgage is due. And if only I could, and you're a God and I'm a crisis of faith and I think you can do it, but I don't know. If, I'll make a deal with you. Like, if you can get rid of the sickness in my body, then, then I'll, you know, whatever. And this is why we turn to faith, right? This is why we turn to God. We believe that this, we believe this, that nothing is impossible with God, right? Great. 
Yes. Okay, this is what the Bible says. Nothing's impossible with God. Therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of make, make a little bit of a nuanced deal with you. If, if you can kind of come through for me on this, then I'm going to do that. And then I'll even come to church, right? I mean, I'll even go study the Bible. I'll even give a little bit. I mean, whatever you need, because I just kind of need you to come through for me. And I believe, and I really want to believe, even though I kind of don't know if I believe, but I really want to believe that nothing is impossible with God. You can help me find my A-team truck no matter what. Here's what I want to do for you now. That phrase, nothing's impossible with God, is the, the cornerstone of this morning's message. It's the cornerstone of where we find ourselves in this story. And I want to go underneath the surface of that phrase with you this morning because I think that we misunderstand that and we um, cause ourselves harm in our faith and in our spiritual lives by misunderstanding that phrase. And so, if you have your Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one near you in your pew there. And if you're turning there in your pew Bible, you will find it on one of two pages, page 830 or 991. 830 or 991. Uh, There are two different kind of Bibles that we have. By the way, if you don't own a Bible and you're picking one up in the pew, consider that our Christmas gift to you. You can take that with you and read it and engage that and, uh, and enjoy that, um, that Bible there for you, okay? Luke chapter 1. To kind of set it up, we're going to go back to um, verse 26, just to set up the context again. Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. We covered this last week and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. And this is where we finished last week. Today, verses 34 to 37 are our focus. So Mary responds, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Okay, fair question. A slight problem in the plan, right? Gabriel, I'm I'm 13 I'm 13, and I've been pledged to be married, which means I've just, as we talked about two weeks ago, I've just hit puberty, and my parents, my father in particular, wants to marry me off at this age, about 12 and a half in the Roman world, you can do that, and the Jews kind of followed that. So uh, I'm a virgin, and what? <laughs> how, how, will this, how will this be since I'm a, I'm a virgin? Now, her answer is very interesting, isn't it? Because she's wondering how. And her answer is different than Zechariah's answer. Zechariah, this priest who also encountered Gabriel, he responds to Gabriel's um, offer to him of a child in a different way. We're going to look at the verses in a second, but if you remember, Gabriel comes to Zechariah when he's, when he's offering a sacrifice. And Gabriel, this, this angel, causes him to fear, and he's gripped with fear. But Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth have been barren for a lifetime. For a lifetime, they've not been able to have kids. And, and Gabriel comes and says, you are going to have a child. Well, I mean, Elizabeth is, but, you know, congratulations. You guys are going to have a kid. And, and check out his response. Go up into verse 18 of Luke chapter 1. 
And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. So Gabriel, or excuse me, Zechariah asks a question to Gabriel. How can I be sure? But doesn't Mary ask the same question? How will this be since I'm a virgin? I mean, I have a problem with this. But Gabriel's response to Mary is not the same as Zechariah's. Check it out in verse 35. 35, verse, chapter 1, verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. And so what happens here is Gabriel obliges her, answers her question. And why? Some of you process this before some haven't. Why? Simply because Mary is not asking about the ends, but the means. She's not doubting that it will happen. She's just not sure how. Right? Zechariah is like, this doesn't make sense. I don't even think this can happen at all. I doubt it completely. And Mary is like, "Uh, okay, I'll give you that. Let's say... I'll give it to you. I'm going to be with child. Help me understand how your promise is going to work. How will this be? Some translations say, how can? But then the next phrase is, since I am a virgin. In other words, I'm assuming it's going to happen. But by the way, I'm a virgin, so tell me how this is going to, how this is going to work. Mary's issue is not that she doesn't believe Gabriel. She just doesn't know how it's going to work. Okay? Important. Then Gabriel says this, after he says that to her, then he says our famous line in verse 37. Let's say that one together, ready? Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. That was really lousy, guys. Let's do it louder. Ready? For nothing is impossible with God. All right, good. You believe that? Yeah, 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 I do. Okay, it's Bible. You know, I believe the Bible. It's good. I believe in the Bible. It sounds like I should be right. I should believe that. Nothing's impossible with God. Good. Um, good. Generally, we believe that, right? And, and here's what I could do this morning. I could, I could preach this to you, and I could send you out of here, I think, with some, like, fist-pumping, great renew of my faith, and everything is going to be good, and all the problems that I have in this world, I mean, I just need a little more faith and a little more hope. My marriage isn't quite what I thought it would be, but I just need to hope more because nothing's impossible with God. I don't have the money I want, but you know what? Nothing's impossible with God. I needed that message this morning. And hey, you know, things are not working out with my kids the way I thought they would, and I need to be reminded nothing's impossible with God. Right? I mean, this, this would preach, right? But now here, let me, let me throw this out to you. The other night, let me bring you into my home for a minute. The other night, in the, in the middle of the night, I wake up, and I have a sensation I haven't had for years. It felt like my hair was sticking up. (laughs) Seriously. It felt like that feeling you have, and I know the feeling, all right? When you have laid on your hair the wrong way, and you just know it, like you know you have that the little mohawk thing going on on the side there. And it felt like, because I, I often will lay on this side, and 
So I'll, I'll lay here, and it felt like this part of my hair was sticking up. So I'm, in the middle of the night, I'm doing this. I'm like, <laughs> but I tell you that, and you're like, that's impossible. No, 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 it's not. Because the Bible tells me. <laughs> right? Nothing. It's impossible with God, right? No, no, so do you believe it or not? Let me take this further. I want to push on this because I want to go further with this concept that we want to believe, but we don't fully believe because if we don't understand it, it will do damage to our faith. Let's say I want to be teleported to where I grew up to Barbados on the weekends because I like it better there on Saturdays than in the cold wintertime here. What are you going to tell me? That's impossible. And I'm going to say, no, 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 no. Luke 1.37, nothing is impossible with God. Now, now what if I spend, let's play this out a little bit. Okay, what if I'm praying, God, I want, I want now, I want, to be, I want to be six inches taller right now. You know, or, or, you know, I want, I'm too tall. I'd like to be a little shorter. Or I, I'd, like to, um, I'd like to grow a full head of hair right now, God. What would, I, what would you tell me if I were to tell you, listen, you know what, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend the rest of my days, every morning, maybe every night, just praying that God would, would um, grow more hair on my head because that's what I really feel like this verse is telling me because nothing, nothing's impossible with God. You're laughing at me. I mean, don't laugh at me. Your, your gut reaction is that yeah, it's a bad idea. I mean, that, yeah, that doesn't happen. And no, you shouldn't pray to be teleported to Barbados on a Saturday. You can come back on, the, on a Sunday. Because that's impossible. But should you pray that the cancer goes away? Is that possible? What about when it doesn't? And should you pray, let's, let's play this one out, let's play the marriage thing that you really want to get married to somebody, but they marry somebody else. What should you pray for? Hey God, I really wanted to marry them, I know they're married to somebody else, but nothing is impossible with God. So I mean, I don't know if you need to kill them, but just don't tell me if you're going to do that and then maybe we can get married, but I don't want to pray that because that sounds wrong, but I know Luke 137, nothing is impossible. So what in the world does this mean? Right? What does this mean for our faith? Does it really mean that nothing is impossible? No, you look at me like, oh, those examples are dumb, Tim. I mean, that's dumb. That's not possible. But other things, yeah, I really want to believe more. So what in the world does this mean? Nothing is impossible with God. I want to take you to another illustration to go deeper on this. You're a parent, or you're a child if you've never been a parent yet. But imagine now that you're, you're a parent. Your five-year-old comes to you. And it's shoe-tying time in their world right now. They don't know how to tie their shoe, but you as a parent know they need to learn how to tie their shoe. And the reason they need to learn how to tie their shoe is because the bigger goal for you as a parent is to teach them independence from you. This is important parenting, right? They, I don't want them to grow up dependent on me. They've got to learn independence. So 
They've got to tie their shoe, right? Well, Junior comes, right? And Junior is like, man, Mom, please tie me. Just this time, just this one time, will you please, if you love me, please, just one time, I just, one time, you tie my shoe. And you as a parent, you're like, well, um, no. Or, you know, you might give in. But this, in this case, no, I, I'm not going to tie your shoe. And here's why. Because I have a bigger goal in mind for you. Now, right now, that's going to feel to you like I don't love you. And what a mean parent I am. But I know this. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Sound familiar to some of you who know Isaiah 55, 8 and 9? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher and my thoughts higher than yours. What I'm thinking as a parent is beyond what you understand as a five-year-old. You want me to tie your shoes. No. No. So, Junior, keep playing this game with me, right? Junior then sits down in the kitchen and prays. says, God, if my parents love me, would you make them tie my shoe just to prove their love to me? Please. And you're rolling your eyes as a parent. Like, okay, come on, get on. Okay. So you're like, listen, Junior, no, I'm not going to tie your shoe. Okay, you need to get ready. So you go to the other room. Meanwhile, there's a knock on the front door. You go to the front door. And there's Junior's friend. What are you doing here? Hey, Junior texted me. He said that he needs some encouragement and some help. He's having a prayer meeting in the living room. And then you see, right, you see five and six and seven and ten little pre-K or kindergartners coming into your house and having a prayer meeting with Junior. And Junior's like, guys, we really need to pray right now that my parents would move to tie my shoes because they're not doing it right now. You're like, are you kidding me? Okay. You have all these kids in the living room, and they're praying, like a kid praying, you know, oh God, I know that Junior's parents love him, although I think, I don't know if they do, but would you please move in their parents' heart to tie their shoe, because clearly you're sovereign, and you can move in their heart and all that. Meanwhile, you as a parent, you're rolling your eyes in the kitchen, like, are you kidding me? Come on. You let it go, and after a while, then here's what happens. Here's what happens. The kids around the room, they're, they're distractible at that age, right? It doesn't take long, and some of them are like, this is dumb. And someone pushes another one over, and then they start wrestling. And some are like, come on, guys, let's go outside. Like, this is never going to work. Let's give up on it. Why are we doing this? It is not possible. Let's give up. Come on, let's go outside and play. Who wants to go play? Let's go play. And others are like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to do that. And then others are like, if you stay here in this circle, you are crazy for believing this stuff. It's never going to happen. Therefore, your faith is ridiculous. And others are like, no, we're just going to keep praying and praying and praying that the parents would tie the shoes. We just want that to happen for Junior so he can have a great day and he can be reminded the parents' love for them, that they can tie the shoes. Meanwhile, as a parent, you know I am not going to tie their shoes because there's a bigger game at stake here, and that is I need them to understand independence. I'm not going to do it. But I love them. But nothing, nothing, nothing will ever get in the way of my love for them. But no, I am not going to tie 
your shoes. And here's where we land. When we think about nothing is impossible with God. Okay, God, if you would only, if you would only help me find my A-team truck, if you would only help me right now, God, I'm, I'm grieving so much, I need you to take this burden from me. If you would only do that, and I know nothing's impossible with you, therefore, would you please fix my marriage? I need you to fix it because I can't do it, and I know that you are loving God, and I'm just going to pray nothing's impossible with you. You can do it. I know you can. And so do it for me. And I know, I know, I know that I don't have the money. I don't even have a job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I know that I, if I believe in you and I just pray more and I do more stuff, I believe you can come through for me. So I'm going to do that. And hey, Luke 1.37, nothing is impossible with God. And I just, I just want to pray that you would remove this cancer from me, I, that you would remove this sickness from me. And I just pray that you would do that because I know nothing's impossible with you. And I just pray that you would fix my kids because they're crazy. I don't know what is going on. I don't even know how to parent them, but I just wish it were different. And God, I know that you know and nothing's impossible. And meanwhile, God might be saying, listen, what's the bigger picture here? What are my promises to you, my child? What are my promises to you? And here's what I believe is happening here. That God is speaking to Mary in particular and says to Mary, you're going to be with child. And here's a promise to you. Here's my message. You will be with child. And Gabriel says, nothing's impossible with God. Meaning that when you marry, look at the limitations of your world. You are a virgin. How in the world are you going to conceive? When you look at that and you say, I'm lost, I'm confused, I don't know how you can keep your promise, God, because my situation now it seems impossible that you can do what you say you're going to do while I am still a virgin. The human limitations seem too constricting. I don't see how you are love when my marriage is falling apart. I don't see how you say that you will never leave me nor forsake me when my husband has, when my wife has, when the person I was dating has. I don't see how in my human circumstances you can ever do what you say you are going to do. And, and Gabriel says, nothing is impossible with God, meaning that there is nothing that can happen in our human experience that will ever keep God from keeping his promises. Not meaning that he will tie our shoes when we ask him. Not meaning that he's going to fix every marriage. Not meaning that he's going to give you the money that you need. Not meaning that every way that I want God to fulfill his promises are going to happen. I am probably not going to grow a full head of hair in this lifetime. But I can come to understand in a new way the promise of God through Jesus. That I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so when I come to my faith and this issue of impossibility, I come and I say, God, here's what I want, all right? I want 
a marriage that is restored. I want a job to give me more money for my family. I want whatever. Okay, I want a full head of hair. I, I don't really care anymore. But I want to marry the person. I want to find somebody. I want that. But God, as I come to you and as I lay out for you the desires of my heart, please, will you give me the perspective that I am missing? Because I'm only five. And your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And your ways are higher than my ways. Because what we tend to do is we tend to think, God, unless you come through for me the way I want you to right now, I'm going to get bored with the faith and I'm going to leave it. And you know people like this, right? Like, what good does religion do to you? And your husband left, your wife left, you didn't have money, and what did God do for you? Nothing. In other words, the assumption is that God will always provide for you exactly what you need when you need it. And that is not God's guarantee. There's not even your parents' guarantee for you growing up in your home. This is why it is harmful to our faith if we think that God is somehow, because of this idea that nothing's impossible with him, ah, this great God of the universe who if only I would, then he would, and if only I do this, then he would. No. And other people sitting around that circle with you would say, boy, you're a fool for believing that. You're going to hang on to a God who lets what happened in Connecticut happen? Seriously? You're going to hang on to a God when your home situation has turned into what it is, really? When your kids are doing what they're doing, really? When you haven't gotten married yet, you're really going to hold on to that kind of a God? And then you're going to come back to this passage. You're going to come back to this Christmas. And you say, someone was talking about that one time. What in the world were they saying? What in the world were they saying? And they were saying that nothing in your human experience will ever, 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 ever keep God from keeping his promises to you. And you may look at that and say, I don't believe that's true. God has promised his presence. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I feel abandoned. That doesn't change this reality. God has promised his peace to you. My peace I give to you. Peace I bring to you. No, 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 but you don't understand, God. I don't have peace right now at all. I have anything but peace. It is not possible for you to bring your peace into my life right now. No, no, no. Nothing will keep God from keeping his promises to you. Wait, so God, you have come that they may have life and have it to the full, to experience the fullness of life. But right now I'm feeling the brokenness of life. No, no, no. I understand. I understand. I see it. I know it. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher. I see it. And I'm going to let you go through that pain. But despite the pressure of that pain, nothing will keep my promises from being true. I define love. I am present. I provide peace and fullness. I provide hope, redemption, salvation. And that does not mean that I'm always going to tie your shoe, but it does mean that even when you're crying about your shoe not being tied, I love you desperately. Because nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing that you and I ever experience, ever encounter, will ever keep him from keeping his promises. So what can you do? Let me suggest this. 
Number one, pray fervently. Pray fervently for what you want. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You may change those desires, but as you delight yourself in God, and you come to him and say, God, I'm just going to be very honest. I want to marry that person. I want that job. I want a job at all. I want my marriage to be restored. I want more hair. I want to be taller, shorter, fatter, skinnier, whatever. Okay? I want, this is what I want. So God, I'm just going to be honest with you. And I'm going to lay it out. And I'm going to pray fervently for this. And as I do, God, I'm going to remember that I'm only five. And that your ways are higher than my ways. But I'm still going to tell you what I want. I'm going to pray persistently for it. And I'm going to come after you with, to hold you to your promises. So I'm going to come in prayer for what I believe I need. But I'm also going to come realizing that I cannot see what you can see. And so as I pray and as I think this is really what I need, God, I need you to give me perspective to remind me, to remind me of what is true, to remind me of your promises and remind me that nothing is impossible with God right now it may not seem possible how can God be a God of peace when you're experiencing inner turmoil like you are how can God be love when you're experiencing the exact opposite of that how can God promise life to the full when you don't feel that at all right now and here's the message of Christmas nothing's impossible it seems impossible from where you sit? No, it's not. There's something bigger in play, and that is the gracious and great promise of God, the hope of mankind in the little baby king who was born. Unwrapping Christmas. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Father, this morning we recognize that our perspectives are so limited and we want you to act in the way that we want. And when you don't act the way we want you to act or you don't act as quickly as we want you to act, it takes too long for you to move, that we get discouraged and we begin to question whether you are even there because our circumstances make it feel like you don't care. And just as Mary looked at her circumstances and said, this is not possible, it's not possible that the message that I will be with child is going to happen. Gabriel brings this message, nothing is impossible. No matter what you feel and experience, the promise of God will happen. He is faithful. And so I pray for courage for us this morning, Lord. I pray for a renewed faith and confidence, not to be playing around the edges and kind of half trusting you and half not, but to come again in this season and say, God, I'm going to lay it out for you. I've got nothing left. I'm not trusted in myself. I'm going to lay out to you all that I want, all that I think, all that I desire. But I also want you to give me perspective that I don't have. Because your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Give us courage to trust again. To believe 
to believe that the things that we're facing are movable, not unlike the mountains that we are about to sing about, that, Savior, you can move the mountains, that you are mighty and strong to save. Give us the confidence to trust and know that you take me as you find me with all my failures and all my fears and fill us again with a reminder of your promise and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.